Hey, we're so glad you could join us on our podcast today. We hope this message equips and inspires you. And if you're ever in the Liverpool area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services. Our service times are 11am and 6pm. For now though, enjoy this podcast. Our third week of Gone Fishing. Now, you may have guessed, I am not much of a fisherman. I don't really know a lot about fishing. I like to swim in the ocean. I enjoy snorkeling when we go away on holiday. We like to snorkel around the rocks and the reefs, and I like to look at the fish, but that's as far as it goes for me. My husband is not a fisherman. My dad thinks he's a fisherman. And um, my boys, my older boys, when they were small, they had to endure fishing with granddad. My youngest one enjoys fishing, but my older two endured fishing because granddad had a boat with a, um, a small engine on the back, and he would take this boat out beyond the harbour wall and into the ocean, and, uh, and he would drop the anchor down, and there they would sit for hours and hours and hours when they were seven, eight, nine years old, hours on this ship with Grandad, and I could tell. I'd be there with the binoculars, and I would see them coming back, and I could tell by their faces, yet again, they had caught nothing, not a thing. And, um, but my youngest son, when he really took an interest in fishing, I said to my dad, please, just take him to one of these purpose-filled, fish-filled lakes. And so this is where they go fishing. So he can just throw his rod in, picks up a fish, throws his rod in, picks up a fish. He thinks he's an awesome fisherman, but it's all staged and That's the way I like it, because he comes back feeling happy. But you know, fishing was such a cultural part of the New Testament times. Fishing was was what a lot of them did for a living, and many of the lessons that Jesus taught happened in and around the catching of fish. And over these past few weeks, and for a few weeks to come, we are looking at some of the lessons and the principles that we can draw out and still apply to our lives today. Because even though we are thousands of years further on since these um, fishing stories were first lived out or told, the fact is the truths in God's word are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there are still metaphors and messages that we can pull out and apply to our lives today. And so, I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of how our problems can have a purpose. Has anybody in here today got problems? Okay, one. That's amazing. It's awesome. We will pray for the one. We will all gather around the one who has a problem. There's one who's able to be honest, I figure, in here today. Because we all have problems, but do you know there can be a purpose in your problems? I want to take you to a story that is found in Luke 5. And it's Jesus' first encounter with the disciple that we know as Peter. His name is Simon or Simon Peter. And this is Jesus' very first encounter with him. And it's found in Luke 5. And it reads like this. That one day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. You see, when people heard 
that Jesus was coming into town. They came out in their droves to see him. I mean, they came out in their thousands to see him. Words had got out that this guy, Jesus, could open blind eyes, that he opened deaf ears, that he gave the mute a voice. He stood the cripple back on his feet. He'd even raised the dead. And he was teaching life skills and life principles and talking about a relationship with God in ways that they'd never been heard of before. These people had never heard this. So when the crowds came out, Jesus would often leave the town and go up the hillside or down onto the beach so that there would be enough space and that the sick, the lame, and the maimed would not get crushed. So here we find him down on the beach, down on the, this shore side of Lake Galilee, and he spots a boat that belonged to this guy called Simon Peter. Now Simon and his friends had just finished a night shift of fishing, which was their trade. They'd been out all night long, the Bible says they'd been out the entire night and caught nothing. They must have been out with granddad. They caught absolutely nada, zilch, not a single thing at all. It was a wasted night. So when I read this story, you see, I live in a house full of men. So when I read this story, I see a man who is hungry. You know the crossover between hungry and angry? This is where Simon Peter is, yeah? He's hungry because he's been out all night long. And he's angry because he's frustrated because he's caught absolutely nothing. It's been a fruitless, wasted evening. You know, um, Simon Peter, as you get to read through the Gospels, you you get to learn the characters of the disciples. You know, the disciples, they were not these holy, holy men. They were just men with real-life issues and real feelings, just like you and I. And when you get to understand the character of Simon Peter, you find out he's the hot-headed one. He is the act-now-think-later. He's the, I'm just going to say it regardless of who gets hurt. He's the one who is just like, just let me have a go. And he just stepped out of the boat to walk across the water to Jesus without even thinking about it. And then when he thought about it, he sung. He's the one who whacked the guard's ear off in the garden of Gethsemane when they came to arrest Jesus. He just got in a rage and pulled out his sword and lopped his ear off. And Jesus had to restore his ear. And he's that guy. He was always asking the questions. He was always like, Oh, come on, let's have a go. He wanted to fight the crowds to protect Jesus. Jesus was always having to reprimand Simon Peter and bring him back in line a little bit. But I also think he kind of made Jesus laugh. You know, have you ever disciplined your kids and put them in their room and then stood outside and had a laugh? Because what they've done is naughty, but you admire their zealousness and their passion and sometimes their creativity and their naughtiness. You know, Jesus and Peter had a very close relationship. And I think that Jesus marveled at Peter. You know, one of our children at once, one, once upon a time, we were called into the school because he was filling his school bag with merchandise. He was filling his school bag with Coke cans and crisps and Haribos and selling them for a profit in the playground. And we had to go in and sit with the head of year while he was reprimanded. But I could see joy all over Luke's face. I could read his face. And we came out, and Luke was like, brilliant. That's like so entrepreneurial. And I was like, 
No, love, he broke the rules. He nearly got suspended. It was wrong. Well, I think Jesus and Simon had that kind of a relationship where what Simon did was wrong, but Jesus kind of just marveled at him quite a bit. So when I read Luke 5, that Simon got out of his boat, and it says that he, he, he was washing his net. They were tending to the nets after fishing all night and catching nothing. I don't think it was quite as serene as it sounds. I reckon he got out of the boat and he booted it a few times. Then I think he launched the nets onto the seashore and then cursed at a few people that might have been standing around. Because the guy had had a really bad night and he had a real life and nothing was going right for him. No fish meant no money. No money meant no bills were getting paid that day. So Simon is really ticked off. Have you ever had days where you feel like nothing is going right for you? Ever had days where you feel like everything is working against you? Like you roll from one problem to another. It's like some days you get up and you just can't wait to get back to bed. Work is stressful. The marriage isn't going well. You're waiting on a doctor's report. The car breaks down. The kids are in trouble. And then you see something on Instagram that just puts you in a foul mood. And it's just one of those days. Well, I want to show you from this story in the Bible how there can be a purpose to your problem. So Simon has just got out of his boat, and the Bible says that he's tending to his nets. And Jesus sees him. The crowd is pressing. I want you to think about this for a moment. There's thousands of people down on the seaside. They are pressing into Jesus. Jesus is getting closer and closer to the water's edge. They're demanding from him. They want his time. They want his attention. They want him to pray for them. They want a touch from him. They want healing. They, they, they want all of these things from Jesus. They're demanding that, 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 that he touch them and he notices them. And in all of this, they want his energy placing demands upon him. And in all of the hype and activity, Jesus sees Simon and sees the boat that he's just got out of. Let me just say to you this morning that in your frustration and in your pain and in the midst of your disappointment and your problem, Jesus sees you. You're not lost in the crowd. You can't come in and just sit somewhere and think that nobody notices you because Jesus does and he sees you in the crowd. You're not lost. Well, everybody else in this place tonight, you might feel that everybody else is pushing in and everybody else is seeking him and everybody else is praying to him. And maybe you're like Sam and you're just over there on the edge doing your thing and you're just like, I just don't feel what everybody else is feeling. Maybe today you feel like Simon felt. Who cares? Who cares what Jesus has got to say anyway? I've got real life issues going on over here. But I want you to know today that he sees you. He sees the relationship that seems to be going from bad to worse. And you're just doing everything you can to hold it together. But nothing seems to be working. He sees the health battle that you've just come through. And now you fear that you might be facing yet another one. 
He sees the bill that's landed on the doorstep that you weren't expecting and you have no idea how you're going to meet these needs. And Simon is sat over there on the edge doing his thing, concerned with his problem. But the word of God says that Jesus sees him. Everyone else is pressing into Jesus. Everyone else wants to hear what he's preaching. Everybody else is concerned with what Jesus has to say. But Simon had issues. He had no fish. That meant he had no money. That meant his bills were not getting paid. What good is listening to this Jesus when the wheel is falling off my life? But the God who sees you, he not only understands you, but he created all that you are. Therefore, he knows your mind. He knows your thoughts. He knows how you're feeling. He gets you in the highs of life. He understands you in the lows of life. He gets you. And so here's Simon, and he's tending to his nets on the shoreline, washing it, fixing it, repairing it, which was custom after a night's fishing. Because when you're repairing your net, it's suggesting that you're done for the day. But it also indicates that you intend on using it again at some point in the future. That even though today had been a bad day, that even though today everything had gone wrong, that even though this fishing trip had been so unsuccessful, I'm going to fix my nets so that I'm ready to go again tomorrow. You know when we gather together as the church, do you know what we're really doing? We're tending to our nets. We're fixing up our nets. You see, in the days of the disciples, they fished with these huge, huge nets. And they would put weights in either corner of the nets. And then it would take two or three men to cast that thing overboard. And as the weight sank down, the net would balloon up. And whatever was caught within the net would be hauled onto the boat. And you would hope that there would be some fish in there. But also with the fish, there would be all sorts of other junk caught up. There would be seaweed and there would be rocks and there would be all sorts of debris off the seabed. And so when the Bible speaks about the men tending to their nets, what they were actually doing is pulling all the rubbish out that should not have been in there. They were washing them and cleaning them and sewing them up again and strengthening them and restoring them ready to go again. And I don't know about you, but the one thing that I do feel each and every week when I am in the house of God is I feel strengthened and restored, ready to go again tomorrow. And so here we find them. Each of us, we come into the house of God. And we come in and we have all sorts of junk caught up in the net of our life, so to speak. Stuff that we didn't intend on being there, but it's found its way in there. Jealousy and pride. We've got anger issues. We're hurt and we're bitter. We feel a failure and we feel let down. And the way we are thinking is clouded because there's been all sorts of junk caught up in our net. And so when we come together in the house of God, we need to somehow untangle and offload the things, that the, the, the debris that's got caught up in our heart. Names, lids, labels that people have put on you with their opinions and their comments and their words. It was never intended for you, but we collect them and we collate them into our lives. But the fact that you find yourself sitting in church today suggests to me that even though life has dealt you a bum hand, 
you're not ready to quit yet. In fact, the reason that you find yourself sitting in church today is because you're looking to be strengthened, ready to go again tomorrow. Strength to keep working on that marriage. Strength to apply for yet another job. Patience to deal with the wayward kids. Boldness to confront the bully in the workplace. Bravery to go back to the doctor yet again. Do you know the world thinks the church is for good people and perfect people? But in the same way, the gym is not for those who are strong. The gym is for those who want to become strong. So too is the church. It's for people like you and I who recognize we are not perfect, but we want to spend time strengthening ourselves getting ourselves restored and fixed up under the mighty name of Jesus, ready to go again. You know, in the days of Simon Peter, the washing and the tending of the nets, it was no one-man job. These things were huge. So when the fishermen would come in after a night of fishing, there would be three or four people on the shore side ready to help them um, fix their nets ready to help them restore and mend and, and tend to their nets. And these people would be on, on, on the shore side. And I think this is just such a beautiful picture of the church. Because when you surround yourself with the right people, you'll never have to tend to your net by yourself again. Because being part of the local church was always God's plan for your life. Life was never meant to be done in isolation. Problems were never meant to be carried alone. But when you come together into the house of God, you will find the right people to surround yourself with. You will find people to talk it out with. You will find people to walk it out with. You will find those who will stand with you in prayer. Someone else will speak words of wisdom and encouragement into your life. Someone is there to love you and someone is there to support you. And it's this way. One cleans, one repairs, one strengthens. And it's God's plan for your life to heal you, to restore you, to provide for you, to set you strong so you can go again. In this place, we fix our nets. So Jesus got into the boat that Simon Peter had just got out of. Simon got out, Jesus got in. Simon got out because he was done. Simon got out because he'd had enough. Simon got out because he was just frustrated. But here's the thing. Jesus thought the very thing that was a frustration to Simon Peter was the perfect platform for him to teach the people from. Jesus thought that the best place for him to position himself that day so the people could hear clearly and people could see clearly was the very boat that Simon stepped out from. Do you know that even now, that God is looking for the perfect platform on which to deliver his message. He is looking for the perfect platform on which his word might be heard and his face might be seen. And that situation that you're just about to walk from, that thing in your life that you're like, God, I'm done, I've had enough. That thing that you're crying out to him and saying, I've prayed about this and I've prayed about this and nothing seems to be changing that thing that you have said, God, I cannot do this anymore. 
He's like, I'm about to step into because my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so now you've had a go. I'm getting in this boat with you. And together, we are going to see change and people are going to see the truth and know the light and know the way. Do you know there are many words in the Bible that describe God? Words like holy and faithful and righteous and beautiful and all of these words that are describing words of God, he's glorious. But there's another word in the Bible that describes God and it is this word sovereign. And when the Bible talks about the sovereignty of God, it really means that he knows everything. That's what the word sovereignty means. It means he knows everything. And so, you know, he, because he knows everything, it means that he always was and always will be. He always has and he's always been. He was there at the beginning and he'll be there at the end of time. And Psalm 139 tells us that he formed every single detail of your being and that he has a plan and a purpose that is just for your life. He knows everything about you, every single detail. He knows it inside and out. He's seen every day of your life, every day you've done in public and every day you've done in private and everything that you thought nobody else knew or nobody else has seen, he has seen it all. He's in your future. He knows all about your past. He knows everything that is and everything that will be and even that which has not yet happened, he knows he's sovereign God and because of all of that, it got me thinking. Because he is a sovereign God, he would have already known that Simon's boat would be available that day. Therefore, he deliberately led the crowd down to the seashore because he knew that the boat would be there. He had already pre-decided that day that the best place for him to stand would be in that small boat. And so I began to wonder, did Jesus allow Simon's fishing trip not to go according to plan because he needed a platform on which to speak that day. And if that boat had been full of fish, there wouldn't have been a place for Jesus to stand. Just got me thinking. It just got me thinking. But here, hear this. Simon Peter, he would not have known that in the midnight hour when he felt like the wheel was falling off, when he was feeling all hungry and angry and frustrated and catch after catch had no fish in it, when he was booting his boat and he was tired and saying nothing is happening and everything is going wrong, he did not know there and then that what felt like a setback to him was actually a God set up for his life. He did not know that. It just got me thinking. Let me just say to you right now that God does not cause disappointment and God does not cause pain. He cannot do that. He is a good God. He is a God of love and a God of compassion. But there are times in our lives when he will allow us to go through temptations. He will allow us to go through trials and problematic situations in our life. Why? Because sometimes he just needs a platform on which to stand. See, bad things do happen to good people. But purpose 
can come from your problem if you follow him. You know, God does not cause things to go wrong in our lives, but the truth of the matter is we do not have a need for Jesus when everything is going great. When everything is going according to plan in your life, Jesus can often be the thing that you tag on to the end of your week. So sometimes he just withholds and sometimes he lets us go through some crazy scenarios in life because he knows that's the time when you're going to seek him and that's the time you're going to press into him and that's the time you're going to call upon his name. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, your friends are watching and your family is watching and they want to see how do you handle pressure and how do you handle this situation. And Jesus says, this is the perfect platform on which I can be elevated and seen by all. You know, a good diet is not just pizza and chocolate. You've got to throw some broccoli in there somewhere as well, you know? And when your kids think you're poisoning them and they're balking on every mouthful of broccoli, it's like it is essential for your life so that you can grow a healthy physical body. Well, so too are the good experiences and the bad experiences. They are essential for developing you and setting yourself up strong before God. We don't have a need God, to make room for God, like we do when things don't seem to be going right in our lives. When Jesus had finished teaching, he turned to Simon. In verse 4, he turns to Simon and he says, get in the boat and now we're going to go out where it's deeper and you're going to let down your net and you're going to catch some fish. Do you know that the Bible scholars estimate that it would have been around about 12 noon when Jesus had finished teaching the, uh, to the crowds. The sun was high in the sky, and any skilled or professional fisherman would have known you don't go out fishing in the noonday sun. There's no fish out there. The fish don't surface when the sun is hot. They bury themselves on the seabed to keep themselves cool. Jesus also said to Simon, we're going to push out into deep water. And Simon must have been like, you is crazy. I am a fisherman and I know you don't go fishing for the type of fish that we catch in the deep water. They always uh, surface in the shallow water. So everything that Jesus was asking Simon to do went against Simon's natural understanding. And Simon answers Jesus in verse 5. He says, Master, I reckon he said, Mister. But master will do. Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. Nothing. But here's what I want you to hear. How he responds next was the key that unlocked his problem and took him into his purpose. Because what I want us to understand today is the problem is not always the problem but often it's your response to your problem that keeps you held and confined and stuck in that situation. Simon then went on to say, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. But if you say so, can I just say there's going to be times when God puts ideas in your heart that are going to seem crazy to your head. God is going to ask things of you that make no sense to your mind. 
when you think that you've done all that you can do, he's going to ask you to go again. He's going to ask you to be the peacemaker in that broken relationship. And you're going to say, I have tried, I have tried, I have tried. I've been rejected one too many times. And he's going to say, I need you to go again. He's going to ask you to love where you've been hurt. He's going to prompt you to forgive where you've been let down. He's going to require you to show patience when you just feel like quitting. He's going to say to go again. And sometimes what he asks of you is going to make no sense to your head because in your mind you're going to be saying, but I've done this, but I've been there. I just want to walk. I just need to quit. I just need to get out. I just need to move away. You know, if I was Simon Peter, I know what my response would have been. As a team, we did the Myers-Briggs personality test and I came out as this high J, which I won't go into the details of what that is, but basically it means I'm bossy. It basically means that I just walk into a room and I can just kind of take over. And I actually don't think I was born with that personality type. I think it's become a survival thing living in my house. And so I've developed this high J. And I know that I'd have just stood there and I'd have said to Jesus, listen, mate, you stick to preaching, I'll stick to fishing. I know my trade. Everything you're telling me is wrong. And my ways are better because I know how to fish. I know you go out at night. And I know you go to the shallow water. But I just began to sit there and think about myself in that scenario. And I began to wonder how many of us miss out on what God has got for us because we think our ways are better. It's like we are praying for that husband. But when God begins to download the answer, we're like, yeah, but you don't know my husband. No, actually, he does because he created him. We're praying for our family, but you don't know my kids. We're praying for our health, but you don't know what the doctor's report is. And we begin to tell God that we know better because we think we've got more information. And what we're saying is, I hear what you're saying, God, but actually what you're asking of me is just not going to work. But he gets you. And not only does he, get you, does he get you, but he sees what you do not see. You see to the corner, God sees around the corner. You see to the hill, but God sees over the hill. And in a moment, there was something about Simon that he got a revelation and an understanding of this. So his response was, if you say it, I will do it. We've got to get that response in our heart and silence the thoughts of the mind. It makes no sense, but if you say it, I will do it. You know, the shallow water was, the shallow water where Simon was used to fishing is a metaphor for us because the shallow waters speak of safety. And the shallow water speak of familiarity. The shallow water is what we know. The shallow water is safe. The shallow water is what we are used to. The shallow water is my comfort zone. But the miracle is waiting for you in the deep. You see, shallow water was where Jesus spoke to the crowd. But the deep water was where he wanted to take Simon alone. Shallow water is where Jesus taught everyone. 
But the deep water was where he wanted Simon to experience God for himself. Shallow water is where we come together as the church. For private time with God is deep waters. Jesus said to Simon when they were in the deep, throw your net overboard once again. And I won't read it, but Simon throws his net over the side of the boat. And scripture says, the nets began to break and the boat began to sink because of the amount of fish that they caught in that moment. You see, Simon got more being in deep water with Jesus than he did being in shallow water by himself. And I just want to encourage you, because when you allow God to step into your situation, he's going to ask you to go deep with him. And when you go deep with him, he's going to ask of some things that make no sense to your mind at all. He's going to ask you to commit where you don't feel you can commit. He's going to ask you to serve when you don't think you've got time to serve. He's going to ask you to begin to tithe when you don't think financially you can He's going to ask things of you. He's going to ask you to invest into that young couple that are all loved up when your own marriage is falling apart. He's going to say, take them out and dine them. He's going to ask you, throw a baby shower for that girl when your heart is breaking because you're desperate for a baby yourself. He's going to ask things of you that don't make sense to your mind, but it's deep water. And your miracle, your miracle is waiting for you in the deep with him. Church, let's stand.